Welcome to the Incentra Download with your host, Ronnie Altet. This is not your average IT podcast. It dares to be different. Find out what's happening from the best in the industry. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, this is Ronnie Altit, CEO and founder of Incentra. This is the podcast version of our show, The Download. The video version has more bonus material in it, so go and check out the videos at incentragroup.com where you'll find this episode and many more. In the meantime, thanks so much for listening. Welcome to The Download. On this episode of The Download, I'm joined by Steve Worrell, Managing Director for Microsoft Australia. You'll notice that the scene is a little bit different today. We're actually at the offices in North Ryde for Microsoft, so here in Steve's home turf to have a chat. Steve, welcome to The Download. It's fantastic to be here, Ronnie. Thank you very much for the opportunity to join. No, it's wonderful to have you. So let's just start, you know, tell us about what, what's a day in the life of the Managing Director of Microsoft Australia? Day in the life. Well, I mean, lots of things. Uh, major focus on our customers and our partners, I think, would be the, the primary uh, thing that worries me or concerns me on a daily basis. Uh, we have 11,000 partners across the country, as you know. Incentra is one of one of those 11,000, one of our wonderful partners in the country. Thank so you. working with that partner community is obviously very important. But then also making sure we bring the best of Microsoft to all of the customers that we have across the country. And so, you know, one of the things that our, our viewers often like to understand is, you know, to get to the level that you have in, mm. in running an organisation like Microsoft, you know, yeah. big global organisation, massive presence in Australia, one of the most successful geographies for Microsoft globally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what's been your career path? How did you actually get into this ultimately? You know, where did you start? What yeah. did you do? Started many years ago, uh, I guess I'll go back to university, so back in 1980 sometime, 1986 I think I started, um, did an electrical engineering degree, started with IBM uh, once I'd finished that and got into the IT industry. So I think that was really the starting point in terms of why um, the industry, it was a great opportunity to join a fantastic company um, back in, well, the early 90s. Uh, worked with IBM in a variety of spaces, so it was a pretty much of a generalist career in sales, marketing, ran the financing business for a while, worked in the software business, the hardware business, the services business, sort of got a, a good uh, apprenticeship, if you like. So you were a techie and a sales person? Like uh, no, I started more more on the sales and marketing side. I started with an engineering degree, but but figured uh, marketing was more my, my interest, but I did have a range of experiences um, during that time at IBM. I joined Microsoft about four years ago. Uh, so, so straight out of IBM? Yeah, straight out so of IBM. Long career went, at IBM. Yeah, long, long career at IBM. I was there for 20 years, so right. here and overseas. So I spent some time in, in New York working for IBM, which was fantastic personal and professional experience just to get a, an appreciation of a global business. I uh, came back to Australia. The kids, uh, wife and, and the kids, uh, we thought about where we wanted to, to be as a family and where we wanted to grow up and decided we wanted to bring, bring them back here. So the kids were still pretty young, so we came back to Australia and, and obviously uh, stayed with IBM for a little while, then joined Microsoft four years ago. Uh, so that's sort of been the, the journey through the IT industry, but also getting a broad range of experiences, I think, to bring me to this point in my career. 
And when you started with Microsoft four years ago, mm. what was your, your role then? I was the EPG lead, which mm -hmm. is the Enterprise and Partner Group lead. So mm -hmm. uh, it's a part of the leadership team that looks after the enterprise segment for, for Microsoft, but also the partner relationships across the country as well. Okay, and so did that role for the, the sort of three odd years? Did for been two years, so I've been, it's about a year and a half, uh, about a year and a half now, so about two to two and a half years in EPG. So um, learning a bit about the Microsoft uh, environment and the, and the organisation. It's, a, it's an organisation that takes a little bit of time to, to get familiar with and to understand. Uh, so I did that for two and a half years and then uh, became the MD in, MD of, in December of 2016. And, and around about that time, that's mm. when Microsoft really started to reinvent itself again. I mean, well, probably you know, when you started yeah, I think with Microsoft. Just as I started, timing, yeah. timing works out in, in these, uh, these cases, but I, I've been very fortunate. There's no two ways about it. Uh, I joined in March of 2014, and mm -hmm. it was at that time I think Satya had just been appointed as the CEO of the of the company. Uh, and since that time, the, the business has been through a massive change, as as uh, everyone will be aware. Uh, largely, I think being being uh, being culturally renewed, if you will. Mm -hmm. So the company, I think, had reached a point in its evolution where uh, it, it wasn't seen as as being as relevant for its customers, for its partners, for the marketplace. Uh, and the last four years have been obviously an amazing time to be at Microsoft as we've reinvented what the business stands for. Yeah, look, as a channel partner of Microsoft, and we probably started around the same time that you started at Microsoft about right. four years ago. Right. Um, so not necessarily as au fait with what Microsoft was yeah. from a channel perspective, but certainly from an end user perspective, from a client perspective, from a in-market perspective, um, was aware of it, but the yeah. change has been, you know, somewhat revolutionary. And it's yeah. not just cloud; yeah. it's it's the overall Microsoft business and and, and how you go to market, mm. how you operate internally. You know, one of the things I've said to people that I yeah. I find the most um, refreshing about working with Microsoft people is the question is always, well, what can we do for you? Mm. How can we help you? Yeah. Um, and that was a big turnaround. You know, and it's something that I saw, even though it started four years ago, I really saw it start to come to fruition in the past couple of years. Good. And, and you mentioned, you know, changing the view for channel partners, mm. and et cetera. So right. what do you think that has, you know, if you could sort of pick the top few things that Microsoft has done that's different, where you feel sure. like you're making a difference to the channel community, you know, to the resellers, et cetera, that you have, what do you think some of those might be? Uh, I think just being simpler to do business with. Yeah. Uh, it's something that I don't think we've really made enough progress on, to be honest. So delighted to hear uh, your feedback in terms of what we're doing well. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> But I think every day we get up, there's a new opportunity for us to really improve again. And this idea of being simpler to do business with, um, if you've been a partner with us for any period of time, you'll know that there is a certain overhead or complexity in doing business with Microsoft. So we're working very hard to make sure we make that easier to, to do business with us through tools, through changing processes, and through just simplifying how we go about doing what we do. I think that's probably the number one. Uh, and, the, and the second thought, I think, is in relation to the fact that we see ourselves as a platform company. So we we've have always been very channel-centric, right? 11,000 partners in Australia tells you something about yeah. the history of the business. The channel is really the heart and soul of the company. 95% of our revenues come through partners just like Incentra. That we expect to continue. In fact, we want to extend that. And for, for that to be true, I think we have to be very focused on how we, be, we can continue to be a platform for you to grow your business on. And so we just have to continue to remind ourselves that we're not here to deliver our success, we're here to deliver your success because by relation we will profit and succeed as a consequence. And I think that channel focus, you know, a lot of organisations aspire hmm. to that channel focus. And one yeah. of the things that, 
that I found quite refreshing as well was in attending, say, for example, your global conference at Inspire, yep. uh, which is top of my agenda for every everyone, except this year it's in Vegas, which I'm not overly excited Vegas about. Vegas isn't our favourite place, but that's okay. No, not overly excited about that. But um, one of the things that, that really jumped out at me in the conferences that Microsoft run and a lot of the materials that are available, again, was very much a focus on how do you make a channel partner successful? Yes. So um, yes. I'll, I'll be the first to admit that having sat in a um, an Inspire, I think two, two or three years ago, yep. I texted one of my business partners and I said, we've got to look at our marketing, we're doing yep. it all wrong. Yep. Um, and that was because I sat in a session where Microsoft was saying to partners, this is the marketing way of the future, which was the whole you know, digital transformation, the digital approach to marketing, yep. et cetera. So having that focus on channel partners, it's not just about, here's a product, here's the features and functionality, here's the business benefits to the end users right. we all go out and sell it to, right. go forth and sell. Yep. But it's far more about, this is how you need to build your business and this is how you need to evolve your yep. business. Yep. Is there a whole you know group within Microsoft, like is, is that really the core mm. focus? It's like, yeah, we do really cool products, we mm. do great stuff. Mm. But that focus on the channel partner, do you find, again, you spent some time at IBM, you speak sure. to other leaders such as yourselves as I do, yep. do you find that as unique as what I see that? Are you hearing that feedback from other people in the market? I am, but I, but I would say it's we have a great heritage of uh, having worked with partners over many years, even, even during the period where it was all about being an engineering company and being a product company, where we were working with our channel to help distribute product, right? Mm -hmm. so, that uh, was one way of doing business and a successful way for many years for many of our partners and for Microsoft. But I think we've tried to add to that this thought that if we could be more focused on your outcomes, on how you could be successful and how we can help you run a better business, and by relation, obviously, you know, that will help our business in turn, we think that adds just another dimension. And it's all part of this transition that we, we think we're going through, which is away from being a product-centered company to being a company focused on outcomes. Mm -hmm. It's really easy to say, um, hard to do. Uh, but we are very much focused on how we can use cloud services to transform our clients so that they can become digital enterprises. And in the past, we might have high-fived if we'd signed a deal, we'd, you know, we'd got a client to sign a new renewal. Today, we, we generally save those celebrations for when the client's actually delivered an outcome from using the services. So again, easier to say, hard to do, but that's what we try to focus on every day, which basically means every, every day there's another opportunity for us to help your business grow to the next level or not. And so, you know, this idea of constant improvement and every day trying again to improve on what you did yesterday is fundamental to the cultural change at Microsoft. So that kind of speaks to something which, you know, people talk about, and I'm going to get mm. a little bit, probe a little bit here. Okay. Um, you, you ever know, thought of getting into like a Michael Parkinson line of... Uh, uh, maybe someday. This is awesome. Maybe someday. You're doing very well. <laughs> um, so you talk about, you know, you don't necessarily high-five when you sign a big enterprise agreement, yeah. which used to be the, the, yes. the way you did things. Yes. And now, you know, as channel partners and in the market, it's very much consumption, yes. adoption. Um, and so what I'm hearing from you is that is the consumption and adoption you're saying is driven more by ensuring that the companies that you're providing these to are actually starting to embrace your technologies. Yes. Whereas as a channel partner, often it's like, how does that affect the Microsoft scorecard and how yes. do people get paid, et cetera? Yes. How, what are your sort of feedback yeah. and comments on that? Yeah, I think the scorecard has been a fundamental part of how Microsoft has run its business over the years. Mm -hmm. But just as we've gone from this transition of being a product-led company to being more outcomes-focused and cloud services-focused, so that uh, emphasis on the scorecard needs to change as well. So yes, the scorecard is still, there's still a scorecard at Microsoft, it's wonderful. We still, we still use that to drive our business and to work with our partners. Mm -hmm. But we're very focused on consumption and usage and, and outcomes. And um, as, a, as a result, 
you know, we're a business in transition, so we're far from perfect, you, you know that. But as we continue to move away from on-premise um, software to this world of cloud services, we know not too far from now we'll be in a 100% in a world where it's all about usage and consumption. Mm -hmm. And it's all about the, the outcomes that we delivered yesterday as to whether our clients and our partners will continue that relationship with us today. So, you know, in the past three-year deal, you use, you use the software or not, right? Mm -hmm. and, and Microsoft still gets paid and the partner still gets paid to a large extent. In today's world, increasingly it'll be, well, if the service worked yesterday, then I'll keep using it today. If it's not, then I may look at alternatives. And there are lots and lots of alternatives for clients and partners to look at. So we, we sort of figure if we want to be successful into the future, we just need to be myopically focused on our partners and our clients, because if they're successful, then then we will be in turn. Right. And if, if you look at, you know, such as mandate in terms of, you know, having effectively, I can't remember exactly how he says it and I won't put you on the spot to tell me, but, you know, it's effectively having an impact on everybody on the planet. Sure. Um, and that's obviously in your role there and, and what Microsoft does, which is different to a lot of um, a lot of vendors out there, product vendors, is that you go right down to the one person end user, right down to the, you know, the home user, mm. the small business, the medium business and the enterprise. In a role like yours, where mm. you've got a shop front in Microsoft Store, you've got yep. a bunch, of, how do you actually balance the time yourself? Because everybody actually is important and in achieving such sure. as goal sure. of impacting everyone on the planet, how do you balance your time in, in, mm. in the different areas? Is it a squeaky wheel thing or what, do you, what, what sort of? I think it's about setting priorities. Uh, it's also about acknowledging that we have some pretty good DNA in the company. Mm -hmm. you know, Bill Gates and Paul Allen started this company 42 years ago. And there's some real um, positive intent inside the business in terms of our contribution far beyond just our our shareholders and beyond just partners and our customers. It's, mm -hmm. it's about what we do in our communities and yep. the contribution that we make more broadly. Especially now and this time with technology where technology has this ability to either bridge the digital divide that we see opening up all around us in our communities uh, or, or in some cases, technology seemed to be making that digital divide even even wider, mm -hmm. right? So An example being? Well, benefits of technology going to the elites, right? Mm -hmm. And some of the political ramifications we're seeing around the world, it's not just a technology issue, yeah. but if you look at some of the, the political issues that we're seeing in Europe and in the US, a lot of that is driven through the implication of technology automating particular roles uh, blue-collar work, for argument's sake, moving offshore, let's mm -hmm. use the American example, yep. and large swathes of the American population saying, well, hold on a second, this digital revolution we're living through and the automation that we're seeing is awesome if you live on the West Coast or the East Coast, not so good if you happen to work in one of the manufacturing plants in the country. And so being thoughtful about how technology is helping to move economies forward, but also not forgetting that there are real personal impacts here, and so this comes back to Sachi's message to us and to you know the the world about what Microsoft stands for, this idea that we want to empower every person, every organisation on the on the planet to achieve more, is a marvellous collection of words. But what it means for each of us is how do we use Microsoft to really bring that to life? And so the squeaky wheel thing is not so much it's not so much squeaky wheel as what do I feel passionate about, and it's what I talk to my team about here in the country. What do we feel passionate about? And what we found is that people generally have all sorts of interests outside work. Yeah. Uh, charities, community clubs, organisations, uh, interests that they see technology can play an important role in, that Microsoft can play an important role in. And we encourage our team to bring that to, to work. We encourage our partners to think about that as well, so that we can, as a, as a group, have a compounding impact on all of our communities across Australia 
to address issues like homelessness, for example. Uh-huh. It's something that we... You're going to sleep out with me in a couple uh, of weeks? I don't think I'm going to sleep with you, Lonnie. But never... <laughs> <laughs> I said sleep out. I was very particular in my choice of words. <laughs> you were, so thank you. I'm glad you did that. <laughs> so, no, but thank you for the invitation. Uh, homelessness, uh, reconciliation in the country, we feel very passionate about. Uh, accessibility. Uh, there are two and a half million people in Australia that have some form of disability, and technology promises to offer all sorts of ways in which we can help to level the playing field for those those people to more fully engage in the digital world. So and you have the poster child in Kenny Singh here as well. We do. You know Kenny, of course. I know so Kenny very well and, and, you know, visually impaired and the technologies. And I think that the demonstration he did at Inspire was... was that was, that was up for me out of that whole event. That was the standout moment because yeah. it really highlighted uh, what a great impact it's had on his, on his life and how he engages. And, and we sort of, from that, get just a, just a, sna- a, a glimpse and maybe a, just a... Uh, an opening into the world of how we could apply technology to many, many others uh, with disabilities to help them engage, uh, as I say, in the digital world. And and I think that's a really great case in point. And for those of you who are watching, I'm sure the Kenny Singh um, presentation that he did at Inspire is available somewhere online, and I'd encourage you all to have a look at it because it is quite inspirational. The thing I like the most about that seeing AI application was he used it to identify a Peroni beer. If I'm not sure if you've seen it, actually, have you? But That's right. It was not only a wonderful application, but but generated and directed in such a positive way. So, Absolutely. Um, who it's who can one, say no to a Peroni beer? So right? true. So well done, Kenny. <laughs> so changing tack a little bit. So when you go out you know, in your role, you would obviously get to meet with some sure. very, very senior people in large enterprises, you know, in the ASX Top 200, et cetera, mm-hmm. other CEOs who are interested in, you know, the impact that Microsoft's going to sure. have and working, you know, in concert with you. What are some of the conversations that you have when you attend one of those types of meetings? The the biggest issue right now is this idea of culture and the impact that it has on an organisation, whether it's because of the Royal Commission, which I think has Mm -hmm. uh, influenced a lot of discussion at at board level and at CEO level in the last little while, or whether it's more um, large organisations working out how do they prepare themselves for an uncertain future, how do they respond to competitors coming in from offshore, how do they respond to competitors who have been born in the cloud or, or who are technology driven mm-hmm. when many of the ASX 100 are companies that have been around for, for decades and aren't technology driven yet. Yep. So I think culture has proven to be the most important discussion and so we, we are asked regularly about the experience at Microsoft. How is it that a large organisation like Microsoft has been able to fundamentally change its business mm-hmm. with so much more still to do? But but there's clearly been a change and a, and a lot of it has been, um, I think, sheeted back to Saatchi's influence and this cultural reinvigoration that we've been through. So that's a topic that comes up time and time again. Okay, and, and anything else that that comes up with them? I think... Uh, I imagine ha- you don't have technology discussions no, with them, No, really? well, we do to the extent of our disruption and how do we protect okay. ourselves, how do we how do we prepare ourselves for the future. So there's a there's a big concern around around that. Now, that obviously is technology-related, but very quickly it gets into into people, uh-huh. right, because there's plenty of technology around from, from us and many other partners in the or players in the, in the industry. But the, the issue then quickly gets back to... You talk about culture, but then it comes back to skills and people. Do we have the talent inside our organisation or in our partner community to help us go on this transformational journey? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's another area that we're really focused on uh, through a national skills plan that Microsoft has brought to, to market in the last few months, where we're investing very heavily working with our clients and with government all around the country to help build skills plans so that people who, for example, are moving out of the automotive industry in yep. South Australia to pick up new digital skills so that they can walk down the street to get a job with the digital shipyard. Uh, or people who are uh, in the public service today don't have a digital background but know they need to pick up those skills if they're going to help government transform as, as um, our government leaders continue to tell us they wish to. 
So um, skills, people, how we actually profit from this moment. Um, Australia is, in terms of international competitiveness, has continued to, to decline versus our peers in relation to adoption of technology and very specifically the capability of our workforce. Right. And so a massive issue for every company that I deal with in terms of how do they ensure they invest in the skills that are going to help fuel the growth of the future. And I think what, what I'm hearing from this and, and, and what hopefully everybody who's watching this will be picking up is that there's a total other side to Microsoft. It's not the cloud, it's not just 365, it's not just Dynamics, it's not just AI, it's actually very much around the transformation of the places in which we live and how Microsoft can have an impact on that. I th I th well said. I mean, we, we are interested in helping schools to be better locations for our kids to go and get a wonderful education in future. We're helping hospitals to provide better health care to all of us. We're focused on how we help aged care providers provide better health care in future for the aged sector. We're focused on helping mining companies be better miners and banks be better banks. So. Yeah, I think for us it's about outcomes, it's about our clients, it's about being industry focused and industry relevant. It's also why our partners continue to be so important and why Incentra is such a wonderful part of our ecosystem because it's the skills that you have and the, exper the experience that you bring to the table, your knowledge of your customers, that is the most valuable. Right. Uh, there's plenty of technology to go around, you, you know we're going to continue to invest in it and bring that to you, but it's the real outcomes that we hope we can deliver together that we think are most important. And so you mentioned the partners. Let's touch on the on the one commercial partner. Yeah. Brand new approach to, sure. to partnering for Microsoft. Sure. I, I say brand new because it's such a massive shift for you. Yes. It's been in market for nearly a year. Yes. Um, what do you think have been the biggest impacts of that that you've seen and feedback you've received from, from mm. the channel community as to, you know, it was a, a significant change. Yeah. Every role in Microsoft was thrown up for the offering effectively. Indeed. Um, and, and, and so big, big change. And I think uh, we don't do that... Um, lightly because of the impact that has on existing relationships. Mm -hmm. uh, perhaps the biggest change we've been through in the field in the last 15 years, so just to put it into a historical context. Uh, feedback has been um, positive in terms of great that you're simplifying the way in which you engage with us, your channel partner. Mm -hmm. right? So OCP, one channel partner, says says what it, what it means, which is one channel organisation inside Microsoft to deal with our, our partner relationships, as opposed to the many parts of Microsoft that would have had some reason to engage with different channel partners in, in the former model. So that's a good thing. Also appreciate the, um, the disruption that it's created. And so I want to say thank you to Incentra and to all of our partners who, who are, have been and continue to work with us on our journey. We're a work in progress. As I say, every day is another chance for us to, to either take another step forward or, or to, to make, make a mistake and try to learn from that. But we've really appreciated the, the support we've had from, the, from our channel community to say, yes, this is the right direction to go in. Uh, please hurry up and, <laughs> and get yourself set for the year because, again, the outcomes of our clients, our partners, that's what's important, not internal organisation or reorganisations inside Microsoft. Yeah, and, and I think one of the, there's a couple of really significant things. I could probably spend a lot of time talking about some of the significant impacts of it. Mm. But one of the things that I think has been really interesting <clears throat> is the way in which you've compensated some of the Microsoft people now that they're actually compensated right. on solutions that yes. the channel community creates yes. that aren't driving necessarily Microsoft revenue directly, yes. um, but have an indirect. So I don't need you to comment on that. I just think that that's an outstanding thing because it truly, again, is another representation of trying to help the channel grow their business, which ultimately will have a downstream impact. Yes. So it's not the short-term gain. So changing tack entirely. Okay. Um, are you a reader? I am. Avid reader? I am. Good. So if you had three business books, right? Um, and if you want to choose one of those as being a fiction book, because um, yes. I think it's important to have our 
our, our horizons spread further than just business. Yes. If you could pick three books that you'd recommend to the people that are watching this to yes. read, what would they be? Well, this, the first one will probably give away my age, but uh, Long Walk to Freedom, which came out, uh, I'm going to say, 20 to 25 years ago. Uh, Nelson Mandela's book about his, his journey, his uh-huh. life, is a book that I'll always remember. Wonderful story about um, commitment, about uh, a life struggle, um, integrity, maintaining a, a uh, point of view despite all sorts of obstacles and, and pressures. So that would be one that springs to mind. Uh, another one um, uh, that I read just a couple of years ago that will probably freak you out, Ronnie, uh, Buddha's, uh, Buddha in Blue Jeans, okay. which is a, a sort of Buddhism applied in a corporate context, if you like. So. If Buddha in blue jeans. Yes. So Buddhism, I think, has been um, an interesting exploration for me over the last little while in terms of just reading and understanding more about uh, the philosophy that mm-hmm. is that is Buddhism, and very specifically the connection with mindfulness, which is another topic that we talk a lot about here at Microsoft, uh, and, and this idea of being present in the moment and being, or at least attempting to be your best in every moment, and mm-hmm. then uh, continuing to grow and learn as a uh, as an individual. Uh, it resonates a lot with a book that Satya has popularised inside our, our company um, called Mindset, uh-huh. which is written by an academic called Carol Zweck in the US. Uh, her thesis is this idea that every person has the capability of changing and learning and growing, uh-huh. this idea of a growth mindset. Really simple concept, but there are uh, all sorts of research to prove to us, if we didn't need to know this already, that we like to tell ourselves stories about whether I'm an engineering, I'm a technical type, or I'm a creative type, or I have this particular skill set and I'm not very good at X, Y, or Z. What we've found through research is that those sorts of tracks that we run in our minds and those stories that we tell ourselves end up being very limiting because they cut off what might have otherwise been possible for us. They're all fiction at the end of the day, aren't they? They are indeed. This is a, all of the stuff that goes through our head, 99% of it is, is a fiction that we, we make up and that rolls, rolls around our head all day, every day, and, and that's the, the, uh, you know, the soundtrack that we carry around with us. Mm-hmm. And so. Uh, Buddha in Blue Jeans and, and this, this uh, Growth Mindset book, I think, are really addressing some important topics. Um, You've done then, three. Well, actually, I'm going to tell you one more. Uh, another book called uh, One Second Ahead, which is written by, which is more corporate again in terms of mindfulness, but it's written by a couple of researchers that have really focused on the application of some of the, these techniques into day-to-day life. Uh, that's a book I would highly recommend to anyone. Fantastic. And, and you're definitely speaking my language. Um, we just ran a program through our organisation all to do with the hero's journey. Right. Um, so if you're familiar with Joseph Campbell's works, mm. um, you know, fascinating in terms of, again, the stories we tell ourselves and the things yes. that, you know, our own limiting beliefs and the yes. things that stop us on our quest, etc. Yes. Um, and mindfulness, I think, is, is so underrated. Yeah, it's a topic that's, I think, become very popular. It has for the last 10 years or so in, in corporate um, discussions. And to a certain extent, it creates... It, it polarizes. A lot of people think it's, there's not much in it, and then others, like myself, are strong advocates for it. Um, whether you buy into it or not, uh, I think there's there's something fundamental about attempting to be your best, mm-hmm. or at least working towards being your best. And in whatever form that takes, whether that's physical training, mental training, uh, team training in a corporate context, uh, whether you just want to be a better dad or a better a better husband or a better brother or a better friend. Being involved in that pursuit, I'm not sure there's anything more important in anyone's life. And it's quite fulfilling too. Indeed. All right, so a couple more questions for you, then we're going to wrap up. Okay. So tell me what some of the biggest lessons you've learned in your career are. Give me the top three lessons you've learned in your career. Um, uh, first one that comes to mind would be to take what I do seriously, but not to take myself too seriously. Mm-hmm. So I think that's uh, something I learned years ago, which has been very good advice. Uh, it's what we do, it's important. There's no question the work that we do, but 
sometimes back to this idea of the soundtracks that we have, we, we um, get ourselves into a rut that we think it's all so deadly serious and it's not. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that would be the, the, the first. Um, I think also this idea of being focused on being your best, and again, whether that's in a mindfulness const construct or in any other form, whatever makes sense, being um, involved in how and focused on how you're going to get to what is your best, or at least pursuing it, I think is, uh, is something that I have learned, I guess, in different forms over the years, and that's something that continues to be important. Um, and then also uh, having a higher purpose. So, and this may be back to the conversation about Satya and what we mm -hmm. hope we stand for. We all get found out in life, for better or for worse. Uh, and if you don't have, I think, a connection with something beyond just the role that you're performing, and uh, you know, you're just getting a paycheck to perform a function at a company, or you're just performing some role, if you don't have a purpose beyond that, then I think, I think, in a way, uh, you may be missing the point. So having a higher purpose, connecting what you're doing with something that, that really does matter, that, that, that allows you to translate what you do on a day-to-day -day basis into something that has impact for people who need our help. Uh, we're privileged to live in Australia and yet there are so many people, we've talked about the homeless community, we've talked about the indigenous communities, there are so many um, uh, areas where we in the technology industry can make a contribution. And that's just a, that's my example, but connecting yourself with your higher purpose, finding what that is, I think is also a lesson that I learned some time ago that has proven to be important, not only for me, but I think by relation for many people that, that when I talk about this topic, they're all nodding, saying yes, that, you know, that, that relates. Yeah, so. I, again, fundamentally agree with the, the, you know, the things that you're talking about. And I think they're lessons that take time in life to learn. They do. They're not lessons, you know, you could say that to the, the, the current generation who are coming through and they're like, yeah, it sounds a bit airy-fairy, and then as they, mature and the way they think changes, they'll too start to see a similar that thing. That might explain why my kids haven't got it just yet, right? That's right. You might, just, you might just clarify that for me there. I'm still working on them now. I'm working on mine too, and they're Good teenagers now. Um, so last question for you. Yes. Tell us the craziest experience you've ever had, Steve. Craziest experience. So uh, it might have been in my uh, professional crazy experience. It might have been in my <laughs> previous job at IBM. Uh, I was doing some work in smart cities, and I remember going to a small city in China. I don't remember the name of it now. But it just really brought home the scale of what they're doing in, in China. We went to a 100-acre site where they were creating a new um, smart city. And they were literally dynamiting this area to flatten it down to a certain level. And so I remember driving uh, with the, the mayor and a few of the, the officials to go to this particular location. Uh, and all, all you could see, as far as you could see, were explosions going off and trucks taking rubble away from this area. Uh, it just brought home for me the scale of what is happening, has been happening in China for the last couple of decades and what's likely to continue to happen given, given how when they <laughs> make a decision to set up a new city or to create a new environment, boy oh boy, can they um, you know, really direct every resource that's necessary. The best part of it though as was straight after that we went back to um, uh, a banquet hall for, uh, for a lunch and uh, there were four or five bottles of Johnny Walker that came out. and. Uh, <laughs> And then the whole team, uh, their team, proceeded to uh, spend the rest of the afternoon drinking through the afternoon. So, <laughs> so crazy experience. Crazy start, not, crazy not, in the end of the day. Indeed it was. So <laughs> happily they put the dynamite away by that stage and the Johnny Walker came out. So uh, but a very crazy experience. Well, it day. is a different dynamite, that's for sure. Very true. <laughs> and Steve, I think this particular discussion that we've had has been dynamite. So I thank you very much for taking the time to spend time with us on the download. Appreciate that you, know, you are a busy individual. You've got a large organisation to run. There is no doubt that Microsoft is absolutely making a difference 
and I trust that everybody who's been watching today can actually see that the difference Microsoft is making is not just about the technology. It is very much such as vision. It is very much about having an impact on every organisation and person on the planet. And Steve, you're clearly living those values and bringing them through to the Australian operation. So thank you very much for Come taking the time. Own. My pleasure. Good Appreciate to see you. It. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to the Incentra Download. If you loved it, please leave us a five-star review in iTunes so we can get more epic leaders on the show. Dare to be different.